start, and then we're going to go back to Genesis, of course, chapter 4, but uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and verse number 4 is the focus, uh, the character of focus today, of course, uh, is... Cain and Abel, he says, by faith, verse number 4, Hebrews eleven four. by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Uh, this is the Lord's account, uh, the final account for Cain and Abel and what happened, and obviously uh, the differences between the two, and Abel and his sacrifice versus Cain and his sacrifice. Most of us know what's happening there. So uh, let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. That, of course, was your memory verse, uh, Hebrews eleven four. 4. Uh, Genesis chapter 4 is where we'll uh, return to. Genesis chapter 4. And ultimately... Probably the main lesson that's learned throughout this uh, this story, what's happened between Cain and Abel, uh, the start ultimately is the difference between religion and relationship with God and what He's looking for, and that's that's the great difference between these two. Uh, religion, man's way of trying to appease God, and then God's way of getting uh, in fellowship with Him and getting righteousness with Him. And so that's, that's really going to be the main, the main thrust of what's happening. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and read just a couple of verses here, and then we'll continue uh, the rest uh, here in a moment. But he says in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, of course, uh, this is after the fall of man. We covered that. This is after the judgment that God has to bring, the consequences for mankind's sin, uh, and the choices that they have made. And now here we are. And Adam and Eve have been taken from the garden. They've been driven out in verse 24 of chapter 3. And in chapter 4 and verse 1, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Uh, and so you have these two sons here, and uh, we're going to get into uh, what goes on between the two, and most of you probably know, but maybe we'll... I'll uh, see a few things that maybe will be a little different for you to see today or maybe remind you of some things and uh, give you a good refresher this morning. Father, I thank you for the day. We thank you for your goodness, mercy, compassions upon us, the fact that, uh, Lord, we woke up again this morning and your mercies were renewed. And Father, we thank you for your goodness. We pray, uh, Lord, you would bring folks in, uh, Lord, to the church today, that you would uh, bless the services, be with Pastor Legault this morning as he preaches Fill him with your spirit and help him to say what he ought to say and the timing he ought to say it, and Lord, with the words that uh, you'd like him to use. Father, I pray that our teachers would uh, do the same this morning, that you'd help us to say everything in the right way, and the Lord, that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up today. Father, we love you. We pray you'd meet with us and you'd help us to give you the worship and the glory that you deserve. Once again, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we are in Genesis chapter 4, and you've got the two sons that show up, and you've got the two sons of Adam and Eve. And so uh, you have Cain and Abel. Now Cain is the firstborn, uh, and of course, people like to make the statement, well, 
Uh, Cain, I, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Well, that's Eve's statement about the matter. That doesn't necessarily mean that's God's statement about the matter. Uh, although he did supply. He is the reason that life exists. So uh, you could give him credit for that, but we won't get into that too long. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Cain is the firstborn. Uh, Eve feels like she has gotten the answer of Genesis chapter 3, right? In verse 15, uh, she's gotten seed. She's gotten a man from the Lord. Uh, and so she thinks she's gotten the answer to what God has said back there as a prophecy and the truth is that she really didn't, uh, not, not with Cain anyways. And uh, Cain becomes what is a tiller of the ground. So he is ultimately, he's the farmer. Uh, he's tilling the ground. He's doing the work. He is doing the things that uh, ultimately are associated uh, with what God cursed in the last chapter. Isn't that what the Lord cursed? Uh, he cursed the ground, thorns and thistles and all the things and the sweat of your face and all, all that stuff piled in. So ultimately, Cain is attached with a cursed earth. That's what he's attached with. That's what he chooses to be uh, ultimately associated with. That's what he wants to be. And so that's what he is. And that also hearkens us uh, as the firstborn. You see it repeatedly throughout the scriptures. The firstborn is not always the one that gets the blessing. A lot of times the firstborn is set aside so that the secondborn gets the blessing. Uh, right? I mean, it happens here, right? Cain and Abel, uh, we see it. We know what's about to happen here, uh, right? Ishmael and Isaac, Esau and Jacob. Uh, how many times do we have to see it, right? Uh, the first birth is no good. It's fleshly. In fact, all of those firsts were a type of the flesh. Ishmael's a type of the flesh. Uh, of course, and Esau is a type of the flesh. That's what it is. Uh, those things, they're types of our physical, our first birth. And what we have is we have our first birth that never is able to please God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans tells us that. Uh, that's a constant. And so Cain is, great, is a great picture and a great type to that. Now, uh, you have to have, ultimately, you need that second birth. You need it. Uh, if you don't get it, you don't have eternal life, you don't have the spiritual, you don't have anything right, you can't fix the relationship with God. And so we get that, John chapter 3, we all understand that. Uh, I believe in this room, right, uh, that we need a new birth. You need to be born again. You must be born again. And when we get that second birth, we get, that spiritual birth, we get that spiritual life that we lost under Adam and Eve. Uh, we lost that, and we lost that communion with God, and we regained that under a spiritual birth with Jesus Christ. Cain's name uh, ultimately means acquired, but the second son, Abel, his name means vapor. Isn't that interesting? The spiritual birth means vapor. Uh, isn't the physical all about trying to acquire what you can get? And the spiritual life is but a vapor for us. It's hard for us to see it. It's hard for us to hold on to it. It's hard for us to stay in that mindset. It's hard for us. Isn't that strange? And here's Abel. Uh, Abel reminds us that life is short. It's quick. We don't have a lot of life. Abel, in fact, we know the story. I'm not... I'm not uh, trying to jump ahead, but we know his life is shortened. Uh, our spiritual 
thought processes and the way that we go. Uh, our, our physical life in this, on this earth is short, and we will step off into eternity very quickly. Uh, Abel, of course, is a shepherd. Uh, that's what he is. Uh, he keeps a flock, and that is, that is a keeper of sheep there in verse number two. Uh, of course, a great picture to Jesus Christ, but also uh, is identified with a life that God has created. Uh, he is there to make sure that that life is preserved. Uh, it's a great picture of uh, attachment with what God creates as life. Uh, he's, he's doing things that are, are more toward the spiritual and more toward uh, what God has done as opposed to what, the hands, what His own hands could provide. And so those two are there. Uh, the second birth, the spiritual birth, is the birth that pleases God. Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Uh, of course, Abel is the man of faith. He's supposed to go ahead, and he does make the sacrifice. We know how it goes. Uh, and they're going to bring a sacrifice. But the two are so distinctly different in what they do. The choices that they make uh, are amazing in this chapter. You can see the choices and differences very quickly that, that these two have chosen two very different paths. Uh, one is reliant upon himself and the other is reliant upon what God has provided. One's the self-made man and the other is the man that is allowing God to do what he needs to do. Those are the two. And so we'll see that throughout the rest of the chapter, but uh, or the passage anyways. In verse number 3, here we are in Genesis chapter 4. And, and so Cain ultimately, right, he's the tiller of the ground, and Abel is a keeper of sheep. All right, those are the two. And verse number 3, here in Genesis 4, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So here are the two, the two brothers. And uh, they both make a choice here, right? Pardon me. They both make a choice to bring a, an offering to God. They're bringing something to Him. Uh, they're giving that to God, right? And so as they're getting ready to bring those, uh, the thought process would be that Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them, that more than likely Genesis 3.21, that was taught to their kids that God made a sacrifice and He did something to cover their sin and to cover them and to meet their need. And the idea is that God uh, has already laid out this plan of a sacrifice and an offering is to be given. And so they've heard about what God has done for them and they decide, I want to do something for Him. Uh, not really surprising that they would want to do something back after God did something for them. All right, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Uh, we understand our service oftentimes is because uh, God loved us and we love him, and so we love him, so we're going to do something for him. Uh, and I don't think, personally, I don't think Cain was trying to bring the wrong thing necessarily. I just think he was trying to bring what he thought he could. 
I'll get to that in a moment. But they knew, ultimately they knew the wages of sin is death. God explained that in Genesis chapter 2. They experienced it in Genesis chapter 3. And Adam and Eve conveyed that to their children. There is no reason to think they wouldn't have. I say, well, you don't have a verse for that. It's just logical progression. Uh, that's not hard to figure out. Why are they bringing an offering if they have no idea that God would want one? Uh, it's just kind of common sense. I know I apologize for using that. Most people don't have that anymore, but hopefully, right, we're all on the same page that, you know, it's kind of common sense that they were probably taught that. They were taught that God made that sacrifice for them. They were taught that uh, that price was paid and that, and that God is worthy of such things from Adam and Eve, from their parents. And uh, ultimately, there was a time that they finally decided. In the process of time, it came to pass. Uh, it took them a little while, but at some point, they figured out, well, maybe I ought to give God something. Uh, I don't really want to do this very much, and I'm not going to go very far, but we're having our missions conference next week. We're all praying over our Faith Promise missions cards, at least I hope you are about what you're going to give. You say, what is that? Uh, we all recognize, you get to a point in your Christian walk, you recognize the fact that God deserves an offering. And monetarily as well as you, personally, right? We understand He deserves our time and He deserves what we can do and He deserves all those pieces. And He also deserves some riches that we can give back to Him. Uh, all of those pieces go together. We understand. But that doesn't happen the day that somebody got saved. Somebody got saved, they aren't like, you know, I ought to give 10% to the church. That's really, that doesn't happen today. But in the process of time, they realize, boy, there is something I could do and give back. There's, some, there's something, you know, ultimately. And maybe it sh it's small things, and maybe it's not tithing. Maybe it's, hey, you know, I, Pastor, I've got, this, uh, I've got this ability, and I see we've got a problem over here. I can take care of that. Do you want me to? They realize they ought to give of themselves and are not asking to charge the church, you know, 20, 30 bucks an hour to go ahead and fix that. They just go in and fix it. Uh, that kind of thing where they go, I'd like to give myself. I'd like to give my time. I'd like to give. And, you know, uh, I hear we're going out doing this. I'd like to help out. Can I come? And we go, well, yeah, absolutely. Why? Because people, will, they recognize the fact that God demands an offering at some point. Uh, he expects that. We expect to be able to give back. Cain expected to be able to give back here. In fact, he's the first one to bring. According to the passage, it looks like he's the first one who thought it would be a good idea to bring an offering. And so Cain goes ahead and he brought things, but he brought the things uh, from the ground. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't recognize the fact that he needs to bring blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. He's not thinking that all the way through. Uh, so he goes, well, what I bring is good enough. Uh, was it necessarily because, uh, you know, Cain, you know, he grew, he grew and he brought him some rotten vegetables? Well, no, he probably brought the best. I don't think, I don't think Cain was looking to bring him garbage. I, th I think it was his work, but he brought it. And he goes, I, I did my best right here. Sound familiar? I did my best. Was it because God doesn't like stuff that uh, grows out of the ground? Well, of course not. Was it because Cain was worse than Abel? Not from the passage. In fact, it looks like Cain might be better than Abel at this particular moment. He chooses to bring the offering first, it looks like. 
in man's eyes, wouldn't that make him better? He recognized the need to go and see God and take care of any possible... I mean, we praise Job, right? He's making sacrifices for his kids, whether they have sinned or not. Just in case, he's going ahead and making them. And Cain's bringing a sacrifice. He's bringing an offering. Uh, instead... He doesn't remember what God would require of him. He doesn't think about what God had to do. He doesn't think about the fact that Adam and Eve took those fig leaves and tried to make themselves aprons and cover themselves up with the growth with no blood. And God has to go ahead and, and kill lambs and go ahead and put clothing on them and go ahead and pay the price of sin, which is blood. He didn't see it. And so he brings the wrong thing. Instead, he puts faith in the things that he could bring and the work that he had done. And he could have been and probably was absolutely sincere with what he brings. But does that make it the offering that God has to accept? No. God does not have to accept it because you're sincere. It's funny because uh, you can go ahead and tell somebody at work or whatever. You can tell your kids. You can tell whoever. You can tell them what you want and how you want it done as the boss, right, as the parent, as the supervisor, whatever you are. You tell them what you want and how you want it done, and they show up, and they do a great job at what they did, but they didn't do what you told them to do. Is that a good employee or a bad one? Well, they'd be a bad one. Why? Because they didn't listen to the instruction. They didn't do the job. Hey, I need you to take care of this over here. And their answer is, okay, I'm on it. And they go over here and sweep the floors. Okay, great. Thanks for sweeping the floors. But I have a problem over here because you didn't do this. I didn't need the floor swept now, I needed that now. Good thing we swept the floors, but bad thing, now I have this broken over here. And it's not running, and now we've lost production, or we've lost this. or we've lost. You know how it works. And maybe they go, oh, well, I saw a mess over here, so I just wanted to take care of it quick. Yeah, but that wasn't yours, this was yours. There's the problem. And the religious man goes, well, I want to bring it this way. And God says, yeah, but I didn't tell you to bring those. And they could be as sincere as they want to be, but they're sincerely wrong. God is particular about what he wants and how he does certain things. You cannot replace, for instance, second birth, right? Salvation through Jesus Christ. You cannot replace Jesus Christ and his sacrifice with whatever else you'd like to. That's unacceptable, right? After you're saved, Jesus Christ has a will that he wants you to accomplish. He's got something for you. Can you replace it with your own and have that be acceptable? I find it interesting in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to have to hurry because none of this is in here. Um, but uh, I find it very interesting the order that God puts words in. And in Romans chapter 12, it is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but those sound like three separate things. 
Say why? Because good is one level, acceptable is another, and perfect is a third. Those sound like different levels to me. You notice that good comes before acceptable? What Cain does in Genesis chapter 4 is good. When he brings the sacrifice, when he brings his offering, it was a good thing that he did, but it wasn't accepted. I think most Christians spend their time being good and not getting accepted. Now, I know eternally we're accepted in the beloved and all those things. I get it, all right? I'm not talking about your spiritual standing for all of eternity. I mean, you do good, but you didn't do what God asked you to do, so it's not acceptable. Well, yeah, but I don't do all these things. Okay, good. <laughs> but that doesn't make it acceptable. Does that make sense? Because that's what it sounds like. It sounds like we can be good without ever being accepted at that point. What we have done may not survive a fire and a trial by fire because we decided that the offering we wanted to make was good, but it wasn't what he asked. It is, God wants you to change this, and you go, yeah, but I'll give him that. And the Lord says, I didn't ask for that. I'll take it. But I didn't ask for that. You, you need to do this over here. And we barter with him as if we're going to get somewhere. And the Lord goes, well, that's good, but that's not what I wanted. And you say, what is that? That's religion. That's, that's Cain. It is I'm going to please God through my flesh because I know better than he does about what I'm going to do. That's the flesh. And then you have Abel. And I better get moving on. Uh, and you have Abel. Abel brings, of course, the best of his, you know, of his lamb. Uh, he brings the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof in verse number 4. And he goes ahead and chooses to bring a lamb. Uh, amazingly enough, we understand that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Uh, we understand God will provide himself a lamb. We understand all the verses that we look at and we go, okay, here it is. And Jesus Christ is going to be the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. And Cain goes ahead and brings the fruit of his hands and Abel brings a lamb. More than likely, what, Jesus, what God Almighty gave in uh, chapter 3 and verse 21 was probably a lamb that was slain and go ahead and give him clothes. Proverbs, he says that the lambs are for thy clothing. And so he goes ahead and does it. Abel has to trust that the sacrifice he is going to make will be accepted even though Abel's sacrifice is not. Now, uh, you say, how do you know it's by faith? Because it said so in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It's by faith that he brings the sacrifice, that God would take what he is offering. Now, how would you know? Well, God, ultimately, how, how do they know that one is accepted and one's not accepted? Well, my best, my best guess, and I think it's right, obviously, uh, if you disagree with me, come up with something better. Um, but I would say that fire came down from heaven and devoured a sacrifice. And the other sacrifice didn't get taken. One offering was burned and the other offering was not. 
say, well, why would you think that? Because all sacrifices are supposed to be burned. The offering is supposed to get burned. Almost every single part of it, but not obviously there are certain specialties throughout the book of Leviticus. We won't get to that. Uh, but of course, uh, I'll just give you one example. Uh, you get up to Mount Carmel, and you have Elijah standing there, and uh, you got the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the groves on one side, and you've got Elijah all by himself. And uh, what is the challenge? The challenge is, whose God can call fire down from heaven? Who, who can call and have their God burn the sacrifice? Well, why is that so telling? Because that proves that it was an accepted sacrifice by the most powerful being in the universe. Well, that, I'm, that you know, maybe that's not a good enough proof text for you, but uh, work for me. Uh, and so here they are, and today... You and I look around, and we go ahead, and what do we do? Well, today, we don't have fire coming down from heaven, amen, <laughs> thankfully, right? But we choose to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, and as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, we don't get fire down from heaven to consume anything. Instead, God sends something different to confirm the fact that he accepts it. You say, what does he send? He sends the Holy Ghost. Now, this is where you get into that uh, uh, statement that John makes that gets, that gets the charismatics all confused. He tells, John tells them uh, that, right, that there's one that comes after him whose shoe latchets he's not worthy to unloose, right? He tells him, hey, I, I, I'm not worthy of this guy. What's he going to do? Well, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and with fire. And we go, oh yeah, that's, that's awesome. Oh yeah, I want the fire. No, you don't. Because he later tells you what that fire is. That fire is him thoroughly purging his floor. And he burns it with fire. And a baptism of fire means that you are submerged in fire. You're immersed in it. That sounds more like a lake of fire that you go into. That is, not, that is not send fire. I don't want you to send fire. Fire means that you're consumed. That is a problem if you're a Christian. Say, so what do you get? You get one or the other. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. One or the other. Which one do you want? Because the crowd he's talking to, everybody's going to get a baptism. And it's one or the other. If you're talking to a group of people, I look out at you and I say, all of you are going to heaven or hell. But I could say it this way. Everyone in this room is going to heaven and hell. Because it's going to be one or the other. You can have both. Which, which would you like? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You, they're both here. They're available. Which would you like? And then his statement is, uh, you get baptized with, with the Holy Ghost and with fire because he's baptizing everybody in one or the other. Everybody's getting it. It's one way or the other. It's not both. <laughs> well, that's Acts chapter 2 and the cloven tongues. of No, they're like as of fire. They're not fire. Now you've got a problem because that's not the same thing. It's like as of fire. That's not fire. 
either he's going to purge you with the or he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, or it's like fire, and that's two very different statements. Anyways, I'll get all I'll get off this now. I will. We understand the, that instead, you know what we get? We get the Holy Ghost. His His Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. We get, the, we get the Holy Spirit of promise, whereby you're sealed onto the day of redemption. Uh, we get the earnest of the inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost. Uh, you and I, uh, oftentimes, the only thing that reminds us that we're saved is the fact that we have a Holy Ghost inside of us that can tell us for sure we know what's going on. You and I, we have the Holy Spirit inside, and you know what we do? We do things that become the fruit of the Spirit as opposed to the works of the flesh. The world doesn't know how to do that. You can't manufacture that. The flesh, the flesh can't do it. That's how you know. Uh, the charismatics go to the side. Well, you know, you've got to have the gifts. of The gifts. You've got to have the gifts. you have the gifts. Okay. Say, what's the gift that you have? I have the gift that I can use the fruit of the Spirit. And I can have that be effectual in our lives. That's the gift. (laughs) Now you get into the gifts and there's different things and some of them are done away with and the charismatics don't want to believe that. And some of them are, are done and over with. And the idea that all that stuff, you say, what was that for? It was for the sign for the Jews. don't need those and I won't get into all that even further if you have any questions you can ask Pastor Legault he'll gladly answer all of those on the Holy Ghost and uh, the gifts he'll take care of all of that he's great Um, also I like this thought Uh, you and I we aren't consumed by fire but amazingly enough what is, the, what is the statement that Jeremiah makes? His word was as a fire burning in me, shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Uh, perhaps you may want to get consumed with who God is and what he says and what he does and why he does and all those things. Maybe that ought to consume you. Maybe having the Holy Spirit consume what you do and why you do and how you think and all those pieces uh, would be probably better for you. And then God would get glory and honor and power as you can read above me. Anyways, we'll move on because none of us want me to keep talking about that and feel terrible. So uh, Genesis chapter 4, he continues... And you had, you, had the, uh, you had the two brothers, the two sons. Uh, you have the two offerings that are brought. They, they bring the offerings. And now you have two paths. There's two choices that are made right here. Two options for Cain, really. Verse 5, uh, the Lord doesn't have respect. Verse 6, uh, well, verse 5 uh, second half of the verse, he says, And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. 
And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what, do, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him seven, sevenfold, and the Lord shall set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And so you have a choice here that shows up, and the choice is right there for Cain. Uh, God rejects Cain's offering, and he immediately goes to wrath and anger. <laughs> there he is. Uh, wrath and anger. Now, uh, amazingly enough, the Lord doesn't just walk away. Isn't that amazing? Uh, the Lord doesn't respect the offering. Cain gets mad, and the Lord says, Hey, Cain, what's wrong? As an amazing, merciful God of comfort. Aren't you glad that when you don't bring the right things, he goes, hey, what's wrong? Didn't he reach to you when you were in religion? You were in your own mindset? You were in your own thought process? You may have even been trying to reach for him and had no idea what you were doing like Cornelius. And instead, it's go get him, let him know. <laughs> and the Lord's merciful. And he looks, he looks over here and he says, Hey, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He looks at Cain and says, I'm reasonable. Let's fix this. Isn't that amazing? Amazing God. He gives him a second chance, and he gives him a second chance to bring the right offering. If he doesn't repent and change, God has a warning for him. The warning is that sin lieth at the door. Realize when we choose not to repent, sin is just lying at the door. That's pretty amazing that you and I have the idea, you know, sin goes ahead. God says if you don't choose to repent, you know what you'll get? You'll have sin right there at the door and it is going to take over. It will take over our lives because guess what? Sin is always at your door. It's always there. Sin is always readily accessible for us. Your flesh constantly wants it. There is no question that sin is waiting for you. It is, it is there whenever you would like it, you can take the opportunity. And instead, it's the choice of repentance. He has the choice of continuing to go into sin or repenting, change directions. It's the idea of a change of the mind, the heart, and the will. Choose direction. A change in direction is repentance. And it's a turning. 
doesn't have to always reference towards sin. God repents of the evil he would do, meaning the judgment that he was going to bring. He decides not to bring it. Happens repeatedly. Thankfully, God is repentant sometimes probably toward you and I. He doesn't bring the judgment he ought to bring to us and instead allows us, much like the city of Nineveh, to delay in the judgment he's about to bring. It's his repentance. Uh, we change our mind, it gives him the opportunity to change his on what he's about to do. Cain decides that he is not going to repent and go God's way, and instead Cain makes a choice that he is going to go the way of his father the devil. Right? John chapter 8, verse 44, Year of your father the devil, and lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. That's who he is. And so Cain decides to go that direction. Uh, his pride will not allow him to go get what he needs from his brother. Cain's problem was pride. 100% pride. He brings the offering of the ground. God didn't take my work, so I'm not good enough, and I'm good enough, and I'm going to be good enough, and I'm not going to ask somebody for their stuff so that I can go and appease God and have a relationship with Him. I'm doing it my way, and I don't like it, and I'm jealous, so I'm going to go and kill my brother. It's all an issue of pride. Only by pride cometh contention. And so Cain decides he's going to destroy the righteous, and he's going to go the way of Cain. He's going to reject and turn, and he's going to choose his way over God's way. That's the choice. That's the choice he makes. Pride involves rebellion and independence. Isn't that the world we live in today? Always yelling about my choices and my and my and my, and it's I'm independent, you can't tell me what to do. That's a spirit of rebellion. That is a spirit of, of sheer rebellion. And pride usually involves rebellion and independence. Go ahead and say what happened to what happened to Satan? Lucifer. Pride? What does he do? He rebels and he goes to be independent. I'm going to go and rule myself. Well, there you have it. There's, there's, there's what pride does. That's what it does to you. So go ahead and Cain goes ahead and he murders Abel. That's his choice. He chooses to murder his brother. That's, that's a real... This is, this is crazy to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill a little extra time. I really shouldn't, but I'm going to... Um, you know what he says? There's, how many people are on earth at this particular moment here in Genesis chapter 4? Four. four. <laughs> There's four people and you have a disagreement. You don't even have a disagreement. You have God just not happy with Cain at this particular moment. Why? What? You can leave. You can go anywhere you want. There's a whole lot of square footage, isn't there? I mean, how much acreage do you need to be able to get a loan and calm it down or something? I mean, and instead, what does Cain do? He goes and finds his brother and he goes and kills him. 
Doesn't that tell you really what the great heart of man is? Oh, we're getting better and greater and we're so amazing. Really? Jealousy causes the murder. That's a real shock. Haven't seen that for the last 6,000 years of human history. And so you get into it, and the choice is, I'm going to go ahead and murder my brother. And so God places the curse on Cain. We just read it. Uh, he'd no longer be a successful tiller of the ground. <laughs> he says, you're not getting any increase. <laughs> Oof. He would become a fugitive and a vagabond. Still, God is gracious to him. When Cain says his punishment is greater than I can bear, when he says that I'm a fugitive, you've driven me out, they're going to find me and kill me, they'll slay me, that's, that's, that's all that's going to happen to me, God's reply is, okay, fine, I'll set a mark and I'll protect you. Wow. Isn't that mercy? Cain deserves a life for a life. He deserves death. God says, I won't kill you. I'll cast you out. But you know what I'll do? I'll put a mark. Anybody killing you, they'll pay sevenfold. Wow. That's a price. Cain willingly decides he's going to go and he leaves. He makes the choice. He goes. Verse number 16, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. He chooses to go. And he dwelt in the land of Nod, and he goes ahead and he becomes a city dweller. He builds a city, and that's where he's going to be, and he starts the idea of a city dweller. From the country out to the city he goes. You and I have choices to make. And it's actually much more simple than most people want to give, a, give the idea to. Uh, the credibility of the idea is this. You can either do what pleases God, do it His way, so that it's acceptable to Him, or you can do what you want, and you will end up mad, sad, and afraid. Isn't that what Cain felt? He was angry. He was wroth. His countenance fell. He was sad. The Lord didn't take him. And then he's afraid everybody's going to kill me. Judgment. You can make that choice. That's what you'll end up with. Or you can get the blessings of God by choosing to do what he, please, what he wants you to do to please him. When we feel like Cain, we must ask ourselves the same questions God asked. Look what he asked him. Why art thou wroth? You get mad at God, why are you mad at him? Why are you so angry about it? Well, usually it has to do with jealousy, envy, hurt. Why is thy countenance fallen? Why is thy countenance fallen? Sad and depressed. Why are you so down? I'm, let's face it, we have the best of everything. What do we have to be mad about when our God gives us everything we need? 
what, what do we have to be sad and discouraged about? Well, I mean, you look out at the world, and I mean, the political landscape, and the, you know, and all the problems we have, and the economy's down, and everything's crazy, and okay, yeah, but that's not where we don't have to worry about any of that. I was just talking, I was talking with Brother Matt, I think Thursday, and uh, he just got word from Brother Serino they heat with they, the price of diesel. Uh, <laughs> They're heating their house, the church, the garages, Brother Serino's place, everybody. Uh, they all heat diesel price. It's going from two sixty a gallon in the village to ten sixty a gallon. This coming week. It's supposed that's what it's supposed to be. Other villages have already started paying higher prices. Their villages stayed down for whatever reason. The Lord is good. Uh, but not anymore. They've already got snow. They've already got wind flying through. It's terrible. And they're going to go from 260 to 1060. Yeah. How you like that price jump? How's that mess with your budget? Say, boy, that's that, okay. You could be mad about it. You can get sad about it. Or you can recognize God can take care of it. Hope thou in God. Last thing he asks him, what hast thou done? Verse 10, what hast thou done? Your actions will prove whether or not you have fellowship with him. That's the proof. Well, I'm just not quite feeling right. I'm not, I don't quite have it. I don't have everything together. I, I just I feel like the Lord's against me. I'm mad at Him. I'm sad. I'm no something's not right. Okay, what did you do that caused such a split? We deal with it all the time in counseling. You're talking to somebody. You're trying to help somebody figure out what's going on. You say, "What are you trying to do?" I'm trying to figure out the root of the problem. We can fix all the little. Symptoms of everything, that's what the doctor's trying to do now, right? All the doctors go, we can just cure the symptoms, and if we cure the symptoms, everything will be okay. No, everything's not okay because you didn't fix the problem. The problem is not the symptoms. The symptoms are the result of the problem you have, the root cause of what is happening in your life. The root cause of the issue of your health problem is not found in all the symptoms. It's found in what those symptoms add up to to bring you down to the root of the problem. Spiritually, you have the same thing. <laughs> You have symptoms out here, and the question is not, what are those symptoms? The question is, what are those symptoms adding up to to bring you down to the root cause of what you have happening in your life? What hast thou done? Or what hast thou not done? Because you left something undone, you didn't have everything fixed. You didn't give forgiveness, so you've got bitterness. There's a problem, right? Uh, you go ahead and, and you chose not to go and do this and the Lord told you to do it. You didn't read your Bible, you didn't pray, you didn't witness, you didn't do, you didn't do, you didn't do, and now you've left something off that you were supposed to do and now you're down to the root cause of where, why didn't I do these things? Well, I didn't do these things because. Okay. Well, now we're getting down toward the problem. We're getting down toward the issues. And the bitterness and the anger and the upset and why is all these things that they're down, you're starting to, you got to dig down to find what, what hast thou done? What happened? Where is the real problem? Because the real problem isn't over here. The real problem is all the way down in there. 
and the surface and the symptoms don't really mean much until the problem. You say, what's the problem? The problem with Cain wasn't that he brought the wrong sacrifice. The problem with Cain was not that he wasn't, wasn't serious and he wasn't uh, sincere and he wasn't, that wasn't the problem. The problem was that he didn't want to do it God's way. It's a pride problem. What hast thou done? I killed my brother out of pride and jealousy and anger. Okay, that's the problem. The problem is you, Cain. <laughs> You're the problem. You know what I find most of the time in my life? I'm the problem. It isn't like Adam and the woman that thou gavest me, and it isn't like Eve and the serpent beguiled me, and it isn't the serpent looking left and going, nobody else is left. It is me. And why am I doing these things? That's why the internal check shows up. If we do the internal check, most of the time, you and I don't have to worry about going to anybody else to figure out what the problem is. Most of the time, we go very quickly to, I know what I did or did not do. And I know why I am no longer in good fellowship with God. And then we go back to 1 John chapter 1, right? <laughs> if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And we get it fixed. But nobody wants to do the assessment. They don't want to look at themselves and go, I'm the problem, so why am I unhappy, and why am I discouraged, and why am I depressed, and why is this happening, and why am I so angry all the time? They don't want to ask those questions. They like to be what they are. And they want to make an excuse for why they're angry and why they're upset and why they're bitter and why they're sad and I want to justify and that is the victim mentality you and I have been watching happen around us. That is a world mentality. You need to get out of that mentality and go, what's my problem? What have I done? <laughs> why do I feel the way that I feel? Because it is not because somebody said something I didn't like. It is because I have done something either internally or externally to cause my own problem. I made a poor choice. I took the wrong path somewhere and I have to get back to where I'm in good fellowship with my Savior. Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your goodness and I pray you would bless our uh, services today. Be with Pastor once again. Strengthen and help him. Give him wisdom as he preaches. And Father, we pray that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up this day. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.